This is Glenn Murphy with NC Systema, and this is Systema for Life. Tommy, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Yeah, good man. Sounds like you've had a, a busy week, couple of weeks running camps down there in Florida. It has been, yeah. It's been a crazy, uh, crazy three, three or four weeks. <laughs> Right. Uh, and do you run camps um, for kids of all ages or have you got kind of like a one size fits all model? Um, I have, you know, I have beginners, intermediate and advanced summer camps. So hmm. beginners are usually the younger ages, you know, four to four to eight. And then intermediate is a mixture, you know, eight to 13. And then my advanced camps, 12 to 16. Okay. Oh, cool. So I like that you separate it on the base of level when it um, kind of sorts itself out in terms of age. Uh, mm-hmm. well, bro. well maybe we can get back uh, a little bit in a little while to uh, talking about how you conceived of um, your kids classes and especially your kids camps and some of the uh, media footage you've got lately for the uh, kidnapping and abduction prevention camps um, down there in local news in florida uh, but before we get into that too much just for those who uh, haven't come across you either in training in person or on the web can you tell us a little bit about yourself how did you first get into sistema and i understand uh, you've taught karate for a bunch of years too yeah, well, um, I've been doing martial arts since I was four years old, and um, I've been in Sistema now for this will almost be my this is going to be my tenth year. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I was I've trained in a lot of different types of karates and you know jujitsu and um, you know I just kind of my my studying some one of my friends actually stumbled upon a Sistema DVD and gave it to me when I was eighteen or nineteen mm-hmm. and uh, kind of. I went all out on it after I saw the first DVD, Summit of Masters. I'll never forget it. Oh, it was a good one. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. I was just like, what is this? <laughs> like, my upper blocks don't look like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then I, you know, followed it from there. Cool. So what was your um, what was your path into Sistema? Did you find a, a local club there in Florida? Because there's quite a few clubs in Florida, right? But they're spaced out. Florida's spread oh, across yeah. quite a wide area. My, my first teacher is Dave Merrill. And oh, yeah. he was mm-hmm. he's the one who makes the knives, right. you know, the Sistema knives. Yeah, I know Dave. Yeah, and he was the first, you know, Sistema instructor ever in mm-hmm. the United States. So yeah. it was a good first teacher, you know. <laughs> yeah, getting the stuff direct from Moscow. I think he was one of the first... Um, well, I think it was maybe the first American that was qualified by Michael, right, to teach Sistema outside. And maybe one of, the, one of the first to go over there to Moscow and train with them. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yep. So, so whereabouts, is, whereabouts is that that you're based in? You train? Well, I'm, I'm, my school is in downtown West Palm Beach, and I have another school in Boynton Beach. They're about 30 minutes away from each other. Okay. Um, yeah, right in the heart of West Palm Beach. Gotcha. Real. So you do you rent those locations or your own buildings and you go in there? How do you, um, the one, the, the, my one location in Boynton is out of a community center, right. and then my other location in West Palm, my main location is a warehouse building. Cool. Um, I rent from both of them. Uh, yeah. I plan on owning the owning the warehouse soon. You know, yeah. Yeah. smart business moves. And how long have you been like in business, kind of teaching that full time? Uh, since I was sixteen, uh, I started my first. I actually started teaching out of that community center uh, when I was 18. So I'm 29 now. So yeah, do the math. Been doing it for a bit. So so you started teaching karate at first, and what form of yeah? What form yeah, of karate did you study? Two um, shoin ru mm-hmm. and rukyu kempo. Okay, yeah, groovy. And I started. Yeah, I definitely started teaching those first. So are you teaching? karate now as well and or you kind of mix and matching with teaching sistema or did you go wholesale over into teaching only sistema at your new school 
Well, you know, um, when, when you look at my Facebook page and stuff, I know there's a little confusion. They see kids in karate uniforms and stuff, and then you got kids in Sistema shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, I drop karate all together. So there's, you know, I'm not teaching any, any karate at all in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all hundred percent Sistema. The only thing that I did keep was, you know, the public needs to be educated in Sistema down here, at least in Florida. I don't know about yeah. the rest of the... Oh, yeah. But, Everywhere, I think, except Toronto. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe right. even so, in Toronto. <laughs> so it's hard to go into these schools. See, I have aftercare programs in 13 different private schools in West Palm Beach. Yeah. And in order to get the kids to sign up, you know, if you say Sistema, no kid is going to sign up for the class because nobody knows what it is. So yeah. what I did was... I kept my, because I have a karate background, I get a third degree black belt in Ruku Kempo, second in Shonru. Yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm obviously an instructor in those, but I put martial arts and karate first when I started in the schools. Yeah. So I had kids signing up. So I said, you know, I'm going to build up a foundation and then I'll just educate them in Sistema as I go along. Cool. So the kids are in, like, when they first start off in their class with me, yes, they get karate uniforms and they get belts, mm. but they're all doing Sistema drills, everything Sistema, you know, yeah. um, they're just wearing karate uniforms. So what they do is they move up in my programs. They go from, you know, beginners karate, they're like white belt, yellow belt, and then they go into the black belt club mm. and where they start doing rope and chain and, and fake knives and stuff like that and sticks. Mm. Um, we do gun. And then after that, they get, they try to get to the, the highest club I have, which is called Sistema club where they get a Sistema shirt and just, they can wear camo pants or, or any kind of like cargo pants. Yeah. So this way they're being educated when they're in my school yeah. on what Sistema is. So they, I'm trying to teach them. It's not about the belt anymore. Mm. You know, the belt kind of keeps them intrigued and, and motivated, yeah. you know, but, um, now, because I'm so, you know, I have so many students, I've been in West Palm Beach for so long, I'm actually starting to drop the uniforms because everyone in West Palm, you know, parents tell other parents and, yeah, you know, the you know, town's pretty good edu- educated on Sistema now. So, yeah, I'll be dropping uniforms eventually, you know, but it was all part of the, the growing process. That's, know? yeah, it's an interesting way of kind of like uh, both transcending the marketing problem, you know, that people don't quite know what Sistema is and how to define it and how it differs from other martial arts and things like that, rather than have to try and explain all that up to them up front and expect them to meet you in the middle. You're just saying, look, trust me, it's a martial art. It's just, you know, it's like something else that, you know, and trust somebody to teach your kids, um, come along and we'll educate them. And then to the kids themselves, you're kind of teaching them to transcend the belts and the uniforms by degrees, right? Like, all right, let's start with this. This is the traditional way of doing it. And, uh, but what you're actually learning in is not the uniform on the outfit that's important. It's actually, you know, the quality of your character and the things that you learn, right? Is that sure. fair to say? That's exactly, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's good. That's clever. Kind of, I remember talking to Brad, Brad uh, Skornovaco, who's over there in uh, Colorado, and, uh, and he kind of sort of said the same thing. He kind of gets uh, people in to, you know, he just calls the classes martial arts or warrior arts, right? And they come in and they essentially see people in uniforms in the, in the first instance and stuff and, and he teaches still some bits of specific techniques, I think, from Kempo and some other stuff like that. But he looks at that as kind of like the gateway drug to Sistema. You know? <laughs> he has a couple of dedicated Sistema classes, and uh, and he's basically just easing them off of the traditional idea and, and into it kind of that way. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's interesting. The reason why I asked is I, I know some people um, have difficulty when they kind of try and bridge two arts and then keep them going. And certainly a lot of people who have their own Sistema schools have difficulty in in the branding problem, right. And getting people to, to know what it is before they come in. So yeah, that's interesting. Clever. So, um, did you teach, so you taught kids from the very beginning then pretty much when you started teaching karate. So it was a natural transition for you when you started uh, teaching Sistema to them instead. 
Oh yeah, it was it was pretty easy. I mean, well, I mean, well, easy in the sense of teaching, but yeah. you, we all know we've all, we're all in system, and we know there's sometimes it's like, what do you teach, or where do you start from, you know, or yeah. what exactly do you want to? What's the foundation? What's the white belt, you know, curriculum in 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 some idea here for Sistema, you sure. know? Yeah. So through, through teaching, you know, you have to see, you have to, you find the basics, you know, for the kids, you find, uh, you find that falling and rolling and, and breathing. And then you, once you get the ideas of what the, what their foundation is, mm-hmm. then you start to make those drills based upon that. You know, if you teach it enough, trust me, you start to figure out what exactly needs to be taught. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just finding that for the last few years, uh, the, um, Mid-South Fences Club here in Durham, where we, we've rented on a Friday. And we used to actually be there a few, no, few nights a week. And the uh, fencers uh, who are training up to, you know, do Olympic sport fencing and all that kind of stuff. And they've got a really good pedigree here. They're, you know, they're kind of, you know, national champions and even international, some of the kids that come out of here. And the fencing coaches put them into our classes to learn a bit more dexterity and mostly kind of stress management and control so they don't, you know, get out of, uh, get panicky when they go to tournaments and things like that. And this, all this week, I've been co-teaching a, a summer camp with uh, Jeff Callio, one of the head coaches here in, in the fencing. So I'm teaching Sistema in the mornings and they're teaching, and they're teaching them sword techniques in the afternoon. And it's, uh, and it's very interesting seeing the kids and sort of crafting things for what they need, right? Because if kids come to one of my Sistema classes, we kind of go down to about teenage, you know, to let them come into those. Um, then I basically make them do the adult stuff, but I just kind of, yeah, um, keep an eye on them with with regard to strikes, as you might anybody who's just significantly smaller than the, the big other rumblers that we've got stomping around in the class and stuff like that, right? But um, sure. but when you've got a whole class full of kids and you're like, well, okay, I need to put cage this in the terms that they're comfortable with and, and used to, um, I find that it's, yeah, you, you start to naturally come down to a much more fundamental approach. Like, well, why do you need this? Let's do this, right? Rather than just like, do this because I said so. And I thought it would kind of be the other way around because it, certainly the way that I learned martial arts growing up when I did um, karate and aikido and other stuff usually it's kind of like a just do it do it over and over again and, and you'll get the idea right but um, I find myself mm-hmm. when I'm teaching kids systema explaining to them why they're doing it first in order to give them kind of a motivation because otherwise they're like so what why should I you know did, have you found that yourself or is it kind of lower well well yeah yeah no you know mm-hmm. when when I talk about kids systema here you know I'm teaching three you know threes you know, yeah, my youngest student, actually, I do some private two-year-old lessons, but um, we're talking, we're talking twos and threes starting, you know, so when you, when, when we look at kids here, you know, we think three years old up to 12, you know, and then the teenagers are their own group, you know, separate from the adults. So from 12 to 16 or 12 to 17, Mm. you know, we're dealing with one animal and then from 18 and above, it's a whole nother story. But when I teach these kids, what I found is it's so important to let them like, uh, they need to evolve on their own. They mm. want to learn on their own. Um, I have, I have kind of a rule for myself as a teacher, not a rule for the class, but for me as myself, the more questions I answer, the less learning is going on. Mm. And see, you know, I've had some really good talks with Manny and, you know, some other high level system instructors who have great input Yeah, and, I think all of us as system instructors, system students, we find it that we have lots of questions and we look for the answers to be given, you know, either be given or be taught to us, right? You know, oh, mm. you know, how do I do this? How do I relax my shoulders? How do I do this? And what we find is that the real answers in Sistema come from inside ourselves. Yeah. When we have such a burning and earning like question, 
that we find the answer ourselves within our own work. Mm. And, you know, as Michael would like to say, you pray enough and God will answer, you know? Mm. So my, my, my goal here with these kids is to set up a drill in such a way that they might not be perfect at it first. But if I just do a quick demonstration, if I get up and say we do front rolls off chairs. Yeah. So if I lay down my belly on the chair and I do a front roll off of it, you know, whether the kid can do it or not, he already saw it, which means it's already inside of him. Mm. Now it's up to him to put the work in, not his questions, not, not anything else like, oh, you know, Tom, can you show me, Tommy, can you show me? I don't know. It's get on the chairs and breathe and relax and let the answer come out of you. Mm. See, that's the whole, that's, that's the premise I have with these kids that I want them to know if they relax enough, the right things will come out. Yeah. And, you know, even as a system instructor, we got to remember that too. You know, it's hard for us to go, you know, oh, I'm trying to do something and, you know, you feel the tension build up inside you and things get messed up. Mm. So it's the same for our questions and answers to ourselves. Mm. So I'm like, you know, you can't necessarily teach that to a kid, like verbalize that to a kid because it, it starts to get really advanced. But if I put them in a situation where they have no choice but to learn it through mm. themselves, then I'm doing a good thing as a teacher. Yeah. So there's a lot of free, free work in my class, but it's the goal is shown. And then it's their job to figure out how to get to that, you know, that whole, that goal, <laughs> that, that certain move or that certain role or, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause two things spring to mind there right away. One is, um, you're kind of saying that this relates not only to kids, but to us as adults and instructors, in a previous podcast, when I spoke to Sergei Makarenko from out there in California, he was saying, I asked him if there was a point at which he felt uh, kind of a turning point when he, he started uh, getting more out of Sistema or he felt himself kind of accelerate. Was there kind of like a switch? And he said, yeah, it was the day that I stopped asking questions. <laughs> he said it was the, he stopped asking loads of questions of Vlad and Michael and other people. And he's just like, well, you know what? I'm just going to watch and learn and just figure it out for myself. And it's that, that he realized that when you ask somebody a question and they give you their answer, that's, it, it might not be the answer that you're looking for. Even if they try as best as they can, they might not get where you're getting at, or they might give you their path to it, which might not have been your path to the same location, right? So it's, it's important everybody finds their own way and, and internalizes things. So that was one. And the other one is that my wife teaches uh, younger kids, like preschoolers and kids up to about six, um, in this nature play discipline called Tinker Garden, right? So it just takes kids outside and and the whole thing there is getting kids is getting kids outside to play with stuff in the open air. You know, they kind of you know pour water into little muddy puddles and splash about, and you know, uh, move make mud soup and all kinds of stuff like that. Get scratched up mm. and find bugs and snakes and all kinds of stuff. And it's kind of a, it's partly a movement to get them out of the urban environment and this kind of sanitized, air conditioned bubble that parents tend to wrap kids in in America, at least. Um, and it's partly also <laughs> just to kind of let kids get back to play again because they've been over supervised, right? And they don't, they don't find their own answers and they've not been given the freedom to do that. And she spends most of her time, it seems, educating the parents to mean like, you know, step back, let them find their own way with the play. We're just giving them some things here to play with. They can play with it however they want. You can guide them if you want. You can suggest some other things they might want to try. But ultimately, the, the play and the experience is their own, right? And there's this whole movement to experiential learning that way that's followed through in Montessori education, all kinds of other stuff. And it, it strikes me it's kind of going to the same place, but, you know, but your approach trying to get them to do martial arts out of it is even deeper, right? It's even more urgent and important that they find the answers for themselves rather than somebody else overlay them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. So how did you come to the what you've been getting some really good uh, recent publicity for and kind of reposting and sharing the videos online as as quite a few other instructors have of uh, your kind of summer camps that feature kind of abduction defense and kidnapping escape for kids? It seems like it got picked up by the local uh, news and and they seemed uh, quite, quite endeared by the fact that you were teaching these skills to kids and you're doing it in a way that didn't seem to scare the kids and they felt good about the the whole thing. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about, both how you decided to do the summer camp with that theme and also how the, uh, how the press got wind of it and got involved? Sure. Well, my summer camps, you know, I've been doing for years and finally I have a, a group of older kids that have been with me long enough to do an advanced summer camp. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I don't want to be a babysitter. You know, I want my kids to learn and be able to do some cool stuff. Mm. And all of these kids watch systemic videos. They watch YouTube. They see all the cool stuff. And, you know, they ask me, can we do, how about this or something fun? Yeah. Or something like this, something more realistic, you know? So I told them, told my kids, my systemic kids, I said, listen, we're going to do an advanced summer camp this year. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go to the pool. We're going to, so it was my first year doing like a really advanced, like crazy summer camp. Okay. And, you know, I told him we're going to be, we're, I'm going to teach them how to get out of cars. I'm going to teach them how to, um, uh, how to handle guns and how to, you know, we do Nerf guns and stuff, but it's still, you know, the situation, what to do when you're being shot at, how do we shoot? How do we move from, you know, when we think somebody's pointing a gun at us or, and then, you know, throwing knives and throwing axes and, and what happens when somebody holds you underwater, all of these things, pretty yeah. much take the adult system that we do. And I just made it for kids. Hmm. Okay. So Vlad pretty much took Vladimir summer camp and I made it for kids. Okay. Yeah. It's a kid emotion um, camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, you know, with that idea, you know, I already had that run and the kids were excited, you know, had, had 30 kids sign up almost in one day. Um, yeah. And you know, my summer camps are big. I have 150 kids in my summer camp Hmm. and you know, they're all coming to do certain things, but this camp was a specialized camp, you know? So it was like, I had to turn kids away. I hate doing that, but I can only handle so much, you know? Yeah. And, um, so what we did was once I got that all planned and together, I was recently teaching a women's self-defense seminar where the news, my local news came and they filmed me teaching it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, they just thought it was some of the craziest self-defense ever because they've never seen anything like it. You know, um, mm. <clears throat> showing women how to move, how to relax, how to strike certain ways. So they were asking me questions and all this stuff. And it led to, you know, I realized that I had their attention. Mm. And I think that's a big key in just in regular systemic training is how to grasp, how to manipulate and grasp someone's attention. Yeah. So you almost feel the connection between you and another person or you and a crowd when you have their attention. Yeah. And when I noticed I had their, her, this, you know, the news anchor lady's attention, I realized, do I do something with it now? How do I help my school? Mm-hmm. So I basically, and you know, people might laugh, but I told her, I said, you know, are you interested in another story? And she said, always. And I said, I'm going to be tying my kids up and putting them in the trunk of a car. Um, and teaching them how to get out of an abduction situation. Are you interested? Her eyeballs popped out of her head. You know, like, you're going to do what? And I was like, well, you know, my kids are strictly self-defense. And, you know, we work on a lot of uh, serious things. And this summer camp we're going to be doing is based on uh, child abductions and school shooters Hmm. and how to handle these situations. And she was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no, I mean, would you like to come? So she told her new, you know, told the station and they went crazy over it. 
and a couple other stations got wind of it. So next thing you know, I have all these news stations coming to see these kids get tied up and thrown in a car, you know, and see them jump out. So did, was the overwhelming um, was the overwhelming kind of feeling that they were surprised that you would do this stuff? Like, how can you get away with this? Aren't the kids going to be terrified? Aren't the parents going to be worried about it? And who's giving this sure. guy insurance and stuff like that? What kind of questions did you actually get in that might not have made have- it into the report? I had so many. And you know what? I thought it was interesting. I was like, is news more interested that something crazy like this is going on? Or are they more interested in the safety of kids and actually that kids are learning this safe, you know, this, these types of things. Yeah. And it turns out the news, it was both. Hmm. They were like, we can't believe somebody's willing to throw a kid tied up in the, in a car to teach them how to get out. And we can't believe kids are learning this because two kids recently were abducted in Boca. Boca is like about 30, 45 minutes from me. Yeah. And um, so it's big on the news. And obviously the school shooter thing, Parkland is uh, about 45 minutes away from me. And that was where that school shooting was recently. So it's all, you know, right now it's all on the news and it's all prevalent. But, you know, they just couldn't believe somebody was out there offering it. You know, like, here's what you can do. And um, so when they got here, they, you know, they actually thought they told me on the air. They're like, we thought you were just going to be talking to children. So they see me zip tying kids' hands up. They're jumping off chairs. They're rolling. They're they're shooting at each other. They're learning how to drag each other off the floor. All of us systemic people know exactly, well, into a good idea of what I was teaching them. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, we were just doing it for real though. Putting them out in the cars. We had races. You know, the first one to get out survived. The one who didn't didn't survive. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how I am with my kids. I'm all, these are my advanced kids. You know, they're like, oh, oh, Coach Tom, what happens if you don't get out? I was like, well, if you don't get out, you lose. <laughs> right. And if you get out, you win. Just, you know, let's work on getting out. Yeah. So they have like a, they have a fun mentality towards it, but they do understand without a doubt that we are studying something that is a very ser- serious situation. Yeah. But, so how, how did you, uh, how do you work to establish that balance? Because that was something that you, um, you I think you, to quote from you in the, in the, in the news report, you sort of said, well, we have to have a balance of fun and nice, but also strict and serious. You know, I mean, these are strict, serious things that could be happening. You can't make too light of the fact that somebody might abduct you and throw you in a van. And what happens if you can't get out the van? You know, there's, there's, there's a serious undertone to this whole thing that could be quite scary. And I know from teaching women's self-defense workshops and teaching um, smaller group uh, kids self-defense workshops as well, that you have to toe this kind of careful line between um, you know, stretching their comfort zone and being like, okay, here's this world that you live in and we're going to show you the edges of the world, There's some things that could happen and I want to give you the tools so you feel confident to deal with that. Um, but at the same time, if you go a little bit far, you can, you can see people starting to glaze over and just get so anxious that they tune out a little bit. So I find myself having to toe a very, very careful line when I'm teaching that way. Did you come up with any particular approaches? Do you just go for radical honest, honesty or do you kind of um, frame it in a certain way so that people uh, don't react that way? Well, it's honesty is definitely the key and perspective. You know, I, I, I guess I have an ability just to see how people are seeing something, you yeah. know? And so the perspective on the way I give my training and my drills is very important. I remember there was a funny little story with Vladimir I had. Um, I was doing some knife training with a guy um, and we were working, whatever, and we're doing this knife drill that in front of Vlad and the guy, you know, we're doing, you know, you stab me, then I do something and then I stab you and you do something. We're taking turns, right? Yeah. And um, so the guy goes to put me down and as he, you know, starts to stab me with the knife as he's putting me down, he, he puts it across my neck. Hmm. And Vladimir comes over and he goes, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Hmm. 
And the guy's like, oh, I just, I'm doing what you said. You know, I took him down and I stabbed him and that was it. And I'm laying on the ground looking at Vladimir, talk to this guy. And I'm like, huh. And Vladimir goes, do you think you could do that in real life? Hmm. And the guy just looked at him blank. And I'm like, do what? Like, I'm trying to keep up here. I'm like, what is he talking about? He's like, you just sliced his throat and you were looking right in his eyes when you did it. Hmm. Could you do that in real life? And then I, it dawned on me. I was like, wow, you know we're all here doing knife work. We're all stabbing each other. We're all slashing. And some of us are even dragging this knife across somebody's neck. We're, we're jokingly putting it in somebody's kidneys or whatever. Yeah. And Vladimir just happened to have this one moment where whatever he saw in the work between me and this other guy, he wanted to let this guy know, Hey, are you aware of what you just did? Yeah. You know? And when I, I'll never forget that story because it made me a little, it made me a lot more aware of when I teach and watching people do things. If people, you know, go to punch somebody in the face or if they go to choke somebody out or if they think they're going to break somebody's bone, hmm. you know, it's one thing that to train in it. And it's one thing to say, you understand, but in real life, you know, you're going to grab this person's neck or you're going to grab this person's arm and break it and look at them. You know, that's, that's heavy. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it was just a good little lesson to hear from Vladimir. And, you know, he didn't correct him in anything. He just asked him, you know, you think you could do this in real life? Yeah. And then he just pretty much walked away. Yeah. And so the guy that, just looked at me, you know, like, whoa. So it's like a, a high-speed reality check, kind of like getting back in perspective again. It reminds me kind of sometimes when you see, uh, you know, self-defense, you know, tapes, techniques, or clips and things like that on YouTube. And uh, there's kind of a subset of martial arts that seems to be the, you don't need to be big and strong because you can always gouge their eyes out type thing. Almost, I, almost like the, <laughs> the master Ken into the dojo thing, right? You always like grab the groin or poke eyes out. And there's this kind of this feeling, and it's funny when I've taught self-defense workshops, I do teach kind of some small pressure point escapes for when the arms are trapped, you know, the, the eyes and face and throat to create a little bit of space so that you can break grips and get out and things like that. Um, but it's really, really interesting how squeamish most people are to even think about poking somebody in the eye, right? And, sure. and yet you'll hear these people say, that, oh, if you were under pressure and you were really scared, you'd just stick your thumb right through his eyeballs. Like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, not no, if you couldn't even bring it. yourself to kind of touch him around the eye right now, you'd be even more scared and, and reticent to, to act. You know, it's like, so it's kind of a weird thing. Or even if you are, if that's what you're training for, to gouge people's eyes out, then you have to be prepared. That's the repercussions, right? That's what you're going to see. Sure. I think there was another well, story that Vladimir was talking about. and. I can't remember when this was, but it was maybe it might have been up there a couple of years ago or something when we were training. And he said, you know, back in, he's like, don't worry too much about, you know, you have to look after your partner, but you can't be, feel sorry for him too much. He goes, one time we were training in Russia with this guy is when I was in the army and uh, we were kind of pushing, pulling, we were grappling, some stuff happened. And uh, I put my thumb in his eye, uh, my thumb in his eye and his, and his eye came out. It, it was like on his, oh. <laughs> on his cheek. And he said, I saw him the next day. He was fine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that was the way he ended the story. I saw the next day, we're back in, it was okay. And that was, so that was an interesting thing. But I think, you know, in the army, that's, that's not a choice. That's the way they trained. It was very brutal. You know, most of us as civilians wouldn't put ourselves through that three months that yeah. those guys went through, you know, to try and instead we spend years trying to kind of approximate it in a different way. But it's a, yeah, it's, it's a question of like, it, are you really training what it is that you think you're going to do? You know, and that's, I guess that's an eternal question in martial arts, you know, which kind of explains some of the different approaches that people take from, full all out realism and everything is sparring based all the way through kind of traditional forms and how many of those can be, uh, you know, uh, extrapolated to real technique and stuff. But yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting point. Well, to answer, you know, to keep like to try and answer your question where I'm leaving with this is that, um, what I took away from what Vladimir said to him. And then what I teach my kids is this, this quote that everyone seems to be talking about and everyone seems to know very little about, which is what we call real life. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, as systemic people, I'm sure, you know, like Aikido people and all these people online, you get a lot of these quotes and these statements. Could this work in a real life situation? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that we're looking at that, that term real life in the right light. Well, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself when I teach my kids. Yeah. So when I go to teach them something serious, and we can have a good time learning something serious. Mm-hmm. When does real life enter this situation? Mm. And what is real life? So when I ask one of my kids, I raise my hand and I, or I tell them to raise their hand. And I say, can anybody answer? What does real life mean to anybody? Mm. And I've gotten some very interesting answers. Real life means when you're outside. Okay. That's interesting. Mm. So when you're inside the house, it's not real life. Uh... You know, so I've seen that perspective. Yeah. I've seen real life. Real life is when something bad happens. Wow. <laughs> and that's you know, what's funny is <laughs> what's funny is though, well, when do people use that statement in real life? You know, in real life this happened. In real life that happens. It's more towards a negative like kind of connotation to it. Sure. Yeah. Um so I'm just looking at the perspective where these kids are coming from because it's from what they got from their parents or TV. So it's interesting to hear. Yeah. And so what I tell them is that my understanding of real life is the degree of tension that you have within your body. So for instance, I say you're going to jump out of a car right now and the car is not moving. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody's going to say, well, in real life, the car is going to be moving. Yeah. All that means to me is that your level of stress and your level of tension, whether the car is moving or not, is at a certain level. Right. So right now, when you're rolling out of this car, it doesn't matter if it's moving because if I take this car and I go out to my big grassy area in front of my, my school and I put a kid in the car, he will be laughing at one of my systemic kids. He'll be laughing. He will jump out of the car. You know how I know that? Because we've done it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I drove my car out in my big field with a kid in the trunk and one of my advanced students has jumped out and done a front roll out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what will change in a, a quote, real situation if a guy grabbed him and threw him in the trunk? is that his insides, his internal, his mind and his body are going to be on a whole different level of processing, a whole different level of tension. Mm -hmm. And so real life happens with inside you, not outside. It's not circumstantial. It's Mm. not whether the car's running or not. It's not whether uh, you're in front of millions on TV or not. It's what how do you perceive and how do you respond and react to things inside yourself, not even physically? The first part is how do they respond to themselves? Hmm. So when we do these drills, when I have the kids lay down and I say, close your eyes, think of something scary, just like Vladimir has taught us. I don't do it now just to do it and release tension. I do it so we can understand and build a gauge or a level of awareness of tension within ourselves. And What controls, and I tell my kids this, what controls your level or gauge of tension is how you respond to a certain thing happening, a certain thought happening inside of you. That's interesting because there's, uh, there's parallels there with, uh, so I teach like stress and resilience workshops as well to like corporate groups and businesses and stuff like that in between. And, and in the kind of uh, neurobiology of stress kind of field there, usually stress is referred to in two halves, right? You've got eustress, which is positive stress and things that, you know, exercise and, and things that you can do to your body that will stress it in a positive way and that you tend to grow from, right, and build you up. And the allostasis or the, the adaptation tends to re- result in a, a, a better thing, like lower LDL cholesterol or, 
you know, a lower resting heart rate or something like that. And then distress is defined as things that break us down over time, right? The effects of chronic stress. So, um, you know, overtraining, overwork, you know, kind of um, chronic exposure to, you know, uh, terrible adverse childhood experiences, things like that, right? That will kind of break us down or terrible nutrition and stuff like that. And, and in the, the literature, they say the only difference between distress and eustress is in the way that the person processes it physiologically. So it's the same thing. It's like you, environmentally, one person's, you know, hell could be another person's, maybe not heaven, but like Friday, you know, <laughs> so it could be like sure. an everyday thing. And, and a good, good part of Systema training, I think, was probably conceived to try and help people in situations that could be potentially tough and extraordinarily stressful and challenging. Just treat it like, well, yeah, that's Wednesday. And then tomorrow we've got to go to another mission or tomorrow we've got to still look after the village or my family or whatever it's going to be, right? It's a... It's that yeah. process of kind of stress inoculation and getting people used to the feeling of what the stress is so that they can manage their internal environment in different situations. That's, a, that's great to instill that in kids so young. It's, um, it's definitely the way forward. Well, that's, you know, just so you know, it's not, you know, it's not that I don't think a, a situation can't be really bad or sure. kind of bad or yeah. good. But where it all starts is within the, in the child, within the person. We know this. It, it's, it's inside you first. It, handle that first. And then we have a greater chance of survival. I'm not claiming that these kids are going to are going to survive 100. percent I don't even claim that I can say survive 100. percent I've never even heard anybody claim that in the system world. Right. But what I can say is your chances of survival, your chances of success, are greater when you have a greater awareness and understanding of what's going on inside your heart, your body, and your mind. Yeah, definitely. It's always a numbers game, right? It's nothing will make you invincible. We're just like making it much less likely that you're going <laughs> to fold yeah. under those circumstances. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, so what's your plans going forward? Do you plan to do a lot more of these um, camps in future well, years? Are you going to make it a regular advanced program where you're going to get more kids in and other than just the summer? Because I guess a lot of um, schools that teach kids, you kind of you know make hay while the sun shines during the summer and there's lots of camps while the kids are off school. And then, then sometimes the curriculum changes or things change when they go back to in like September, August. Are you planning on kind of keeping the momentum going with this or are you going to kind of uh, build on it? What's the plan? Well, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my, my real future plans. What I'm trying to do is I have camps all, all year. I teach in so many schools. I have a lot of students here at my school. Yeah. Um, I've been recently getting um, a lot of inquiries from other instructors and other schools. doesn't matter what kind of school, Taekwondo, karate, all wondering what's going on and how do I do this? Hmm. So from a business standpoint, my future is, I think instead of helping, you know, I'm really big in the systemic communi community. I really believe in systemic and what, what's going on here. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm putting my life into it, mm -hmm. but my, my goal is to give this kind of, you know, teach this kind of mentality. I have over 300 students in my school, mm. you know, and I have hundreds for my camps and all this. I have a very good system. Mm. I think, you know, with the amount of system instructors I already had come to me and actually come here and train here to learn how to teach kids or to get a better idea for their kids program. Mm. It's something I really want to offer the systemic community is how to build because the kids is a, is a foundation. Yeah. And a true martial arts school should have a great kids program. Right. You know, if that's what you and the kids, I mean, that's for the community. That's just, not just for your martial arts school. That's for everywhere. Right. schools your your community so my goal is to grow uh to to share my knowledge in how to build a systema kids program yeah you know a a a, a very functional one mm -hmm. and a successful one that knowledge i want to get out there and that's just in that area in business as in my life 
you know, my, my, what's going on with my, um, seminars and stuff right now, I've just planned three other seminars. One's an active shooter, uh, mm-hmm. school shooter seminar for teachers and students. Um, I can't give out any names at this moment, but right sure. now supposedly there's congressmen and there's national new co- news coverage that's going to be happening for this seminar. Wow. Um, yeah, it, the, the news coverage that I, the local news coverage just kind of got passed around everywhere mm-hmm. and it hit like wildfire in the, in the, government community Hmm. and um so we'll be doing that they're really they're really interested in this uh child abduction safety with parents and then um in the workplace violence um awareness and you know training so Hmm. these three seminars i have coming up are going to be some big ones and hopefully with this national news coverage and some of these you know congressmen and stuff that are coming that are supporting this you know Hopefully that helps the whole systemic community as a whole. And hopefully that helps, you know, just schools and teachers and just in general safety all around, you know, for everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, know, I think that's I, kind I, of where I'm going with this. That's great. I mean, yeah, to your point about that, it's good just not just for, you know, the individual schools, but for the wider community and everybody that's in it. And, and it's also good for the style, I think. I mean, Andre Potenko and, um, you know, a couple of months ago I was talking about that. I was sort of saying, you know, what do you think is the most important thing for Sistema right now? Where would you like to see it going? And he's and he flat said that you know the most important thing is to is for instructors to figure out how to um, teach Sistema to kids more because you need that up and coming generation in order to build that you know skill and kind of you have to build a strong foundation and a base or like a, a pyramid of people coming up through the pipeline before you can like choose from those in order to keep t- teaching adults right. I mean, and most people in the in in martial arts generally throughout the United States, you know, the average age of somebody training martial arts is, is what, probably like 10, something like that, right? It's like yes. Yep. Eight, 10, something like that. So most people doing martial arts in the States are kids, right? So if you don't um, cater to the that key kind of formative time in their lives when they could be open to these skills and open to these things. I mean, I started training probably, uh, probably when I was about eight. I mean, I kind of dabbled in that a bit of other things with judo and stuff like that before, but I started doing karate, I think, when I was eight and then got more serious into other stuff as I went into my kind of early youth and teens. Um, but I think that had just an enormously formative experience in my life. And even if I wasn't, you know, a systemic instructor now and a martial arts kind of professional doing what I'm doing, I, th- I think it just influenced my life all the way along. It made me more diligent at college, right? And it made me react to people in a different way and not seek to get into fights, but to know that I could handle myself if I did. And it was, it, it's a big deal. And, and I think most people who, you know, get to middle age about my time who are still doing martial arts kind of credit uh, a lot of what they've achieved through, from that early influence. They're like, yeah, if I hadn't have gone to see that movie and then gone to find that guy who was a real mentor, you know, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes you find people who said that they were changed as kids by a math teacher, right? Or a physics teacher, someone who really okay. kind of stuck out there and helped them to discover a, a love of learning, something like that. But I'm amazed at how many people say that they just, you know, it was a, it was a karate teacher or, you know, a judo teacher or somebody that just really taught them um, values that they weren't getting other places, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, Tommy. And, and maybe we can uh, jump back on this after you've had a chance to do your other seminars. And if people want to get in touch with you uh, in order to learn more about how to teach kids to STEM as, as you get further down the line with your business, maybe, and you start to kind of organize it and you're looking at doing training programs or, you know, online stuff. I'm not sure which direction you're going on it with. What's the base, best way for them to get in touch with you? Is it directly through the, the website or did you have, well, you have Yeah, you, you can go on my website. It's systemafloyd.com or mm-hmm. my, you know, my Facebook or my Instagram. And that pretty much has my email or even phone number. Okay. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, contact me through there and 
you know, at least, you know, just the base foundation of how to even start the kids program, even with that idea of kids in karate uniforms. Yeah. I mean, that, that goes a long, long way, Right. you know, just getting them in the door. But yeah, anybody, you know, that needs help or anybody that wants any information, I mean, just contact me. I mean, you know, I'm more than willing and happy to help whoever needs it or whoever wants it, you know? Great. Fantastic. And is there anything else that you um, felt like you wanted to drop in that we haven't had the chance to talk about today? Any parting thoughts? Um, I mean, no, pretty much that's it. I, I do want to, you know, put a special thank you out there to Vladimir and his family, you mm-hmm. know, and Michael. And, you know, it really is. Be- it, it's because of him, you know, what I saw on those DVDs and tapes that inspired me to, like, change everything about what I do. And I think that's a really important lesson in system that we need to learn is that we're trying to inspire people, mm. you know, not just to fight, not just to, to roll around real good. It's inspiration itself is an actual physical thing. Mm. And if we realize that, and you know, we take that from Vladimir, we take it when he puts that spark in you that we are now responsible to sharing that spark. Mm. You know, so I do want to say thank you and want him to know that, that, you know, that's really important. That's what I find is important about Sistema is inspiring people to become better, but also learning how to share that inspiration. And he's definitely done that for me and my students, you know. That's great. Phenomenal. I'm, and I'm sure you've uh, inspired more than a few people on this podcast today. So thanks very much again for taking the time and hopefully we can uh, chat again further down the line. Thank you so much, Glenn. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about training at NC Sistema, you can visit us online at www.ncsistema.com. If you'd like to find out more about Sistema classes and seminars worldwide, please visit www.russianmartialart.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can share it with your friends online, you can support us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Or you can support us directly via patreon.com with a monthly contribution of $2 or more. That's www.patreon.com slash ncsystema. Many thanks, good health, and see you in training.